emotions, I guess, or different things that come up as you're reading different books of the Bible. Sometimes Psalms is um, all cheery and fun, and other times David kind of talks crazy in the book of Psalms. But also there's uh, Song of Solomon, there's um, the Genesis creation. Um, so different books as you're reading them uh, kind of do, uh, kind of have different effects on us. And Romans is really deep and sometimes you got to read it a few times and read verses a couple times because uh, it's just such um, deep truth of God and his uh, redemption plan, his plan of righteousness for uh, the world and and so I just felt like uh, we need to go through this. And I thought about having a Wednesday night service where we, you know, do several Wednesdays in a row. And um, so I don't know, we might end up doing that at some point right now. Um, I just thought today we're going to start in Romans 1. And next week we'll probably do Romans 2. Uh, the following Sunday, our annual business meeting is a family service and we're going to kind of gear it towards uh, kids and towards, you know, what the mission of the church is. And so we'll probably take a break from uh, the Romans there. But um, anyway, we'll just see what God has uh, in plan and in store for us. And if, you know, we want to start a Wednesday night uh, Bible study for a period of time, if that's something you would come to or something that you've been like, oh man, I would love to... You know, let me know. I'm still kind of debating on that, but uh, let's pray and we'll dig into it. There's a Bible uh, or some Bibles in front of you. If there's not one right in front of you, maybe underneath you, and we're going to read the whole chapter of Romans 1, so I'd love for you to follow along with me, but let's pray first. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this time together. Lord, and as we dig into your word, uh, just finding the foundation of truth and your desire for righteousness and us to live uh, according to your word. And I just pray that you'd speak to us today. We're going to read what the consequences of, of sin and um, following the world. We're going to learn about that too. Just challenge our heart today. Help us to be open to receive all the different little truths that are in each verse as we kind of dissect it down today. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, in just a special way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to kind of talk a little bit in Romans about creation. And one day God was looking over creation and he asked an angel what are they doing down there? And the angel replied, well, they're, they're making milk from almonds and oats. And frustrated, God exclaims, I gave them like eight animals to get milk from. And the angel said, well, they don't like that milk. <laughs> and God turns away, well, they don't like that milk and flips a table. <laughs> and I just thought that's uh, funny. It's a thing you, you've probably seen on Facebook, but when God's plan for creation, um, sometimes we as, as humans have come in and we've kind of distorted that uh, plan. And that's part of what uh, we talk about in Romans and what Paul explains um, that it is happening, has happened in his time, 
in the past and and we definitely will see similarities to it here in our day and age of um, that's not what God intended for creation and so um, we need to learn from that and grow from that so Romans to give you a little background when uh, Paul wrote this letter about uh, 57 AD uh, some people would say you know kind of give or take 55 AD to 57 if you um, want to put that in a timeline in your mind Jesus was uh, crucified uh, and rose again around 32 33 AD so this is you know 25 years after that and um, it's written by Paul we'll obviously read that in the first verse and he is uh, he was probably in Corinth in his, on his third missionary journey when he writes this and kind of the purpose is uh, he's writing to the Roman church and the Christians there and um, we're going to read kind of he 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 makes it very simple and obvious here so I won't say it twice but uh, let's read verse starting in verse one he says uh, I Paul a bondservant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scripture concerning his son who is born of a descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ to all who are beloved of God in Rome called as saints grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ uh, if you're an English teacher you're probably don't like his run-on sentence that was all one sentence uh, verses one through six um, some key words he introduces himself as a servant he's yielded his life to the work of Christ if you remember his testimony of how God uh, gave him a vision while he was on the road and he was the opposite of an apostle he was killing the disciples and he was killing other apostles and Christians who were spreading the message of the gospel and now he has turned he's changed uh, he's a servant he's working for the Lord and he's called meaning he's an ambassador for Christ he's a messenger uh, what's his message what's what's he delivering he's delivering the gospel He's set apart. This is all in verse one. He's set apart for the gospel of God. His, his mission, what he's made a point to is that he's to spread the gospel. God promised a Messiah as we've been studying during Christmas season. In verse two kind of, and three, walk through that. His, uh, the Messiah would be the, his, God's son is born of a descendant of David. 
declared Son of God with power by the resurrection, according to the spirit of holiness. And we see uh, what that means. Jesus is sinless. And he, call, he refers to uh, the Messiah as Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we receive grace from him. We're in, uh, that's in verse 5. So through Jesus, all of us, we receive grace, not just Paul. And also through Jesus, we receive apostleship. What that means is fulfilling the call to take the gospel to everyone. Some people will refer to pastors or leaders in the church as an apostle. In this circumstance, Paul is an apostle, and there's others, but, but he's saying we're called, uh, all of us, to fulfill the call that God has placed on our life to take the gospel to everyone. So that's our apostleship, how we're apostles. You also are the called of Jesus Christ. Before he says who he's speaking to, He's uh, saying to all of us that uh, we are all the called of Jesus Christ. He is writing to all the beloved saints in Rome, all, the, all God's people, uh, God's beloved who are in Rome. Let's start reading again in verse 8 and we'll find the, his purpose uh, what's, what does he want to tell them? Or why is he writing to them? He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Word has spread among uh, the world. And back then, uh, I mean, we, the United States was created, but, you know, we weren't, people weren't here so kind of the, uh, that area of the world that's being, uh, the gospel is being spread and word is getting around that, man, the people of Rome, the Christian of Rome, man, they are faithful and they love the Lord and word is going out. For God of their, sorry, word is going out of their great faith in the Lord. Verse nine, for God whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at least by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. He affirms to them by uh, unceasing in his prayer and hope strongly. He wants to see them again. And he's praying, man, will, will God allow it to happen? Uh, let it be God's will that I come to you. If you follow uh, Paul's missionary's journey, some Bibles have uh, maps in the back. He took three uh, different journeys and there was places that he had in mind he wanted to go. Um, and there was times that God
God sent a vision to him, you need to go to this place. And so different times and different ways, he was directed in how not only him, but others would go uh, with him on his missionary journeys uh, to different places. So he's heard how amazing these uh, Christians in Rome are, and he wants to go and visit with them. And he's praying for that to happen. Why? This is a powerful uh, moment. Why does he want to see them? Verse 11, he says, For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established or strengthened. That is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I think he's kind of repeating this thought through just in different ways that uh, he's not coming to them like I need to, uh, I'm the man and I need to preach to you and tell you all of my great wisdom. But he's going to them that they would be able to share uh, together and they would encourage one another. He's going uh, there to equip them, not just educate them, but to impart spiritual gifts on them, to them, uh, to establish them or strengthen them. A couple of uh, my thoughts as I read those two verses. They were doing a a tremendous job in their faith. Word is getting around and the, the church there is doing well, but they still need strengthen. They still need more. They need uh, to be stronger. They need to be more equipped. They need uh, more of God, more of their faith. The Holy Spirit empowers us to serve, giving us gifts of the Spirit. And we'll find that uh, in Romans chapter 12. And if you want to read ahead in the coming couple weeks, uh, please do that. Um, The gifts of the Holy Spirit are used to empower the church, empower us as Christians to go out and to serve him. For what purpose was there in verse 11? And the answer comes in verse 12. Why was he longing to see them? And our answer is in verse 12. And we'll have a slide for this one because I think this is huge. This is really important for us. He wants to be encouraged with them. Each one's faith encouraging the other. And I was reminded of the proverb in, in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen of iron sharpens iron. And when he's going there, he's not just imparting what he knows and I'm going to teach you and hopefully you can be as good as me. But he's saying, I want to be sharpened by you. I need to be equipped by you. I need to be uh, encouraged and lifted up by you. And this uh, thought came to my mind of uh, of an axe. And uh, if if your axe is dull, um, what do you sharpen it with? If you don't know, you're going to use a file that's probably iron, right? You're not going to sharpen it with wood. You're not going to sharpen it with any other odd um, material. Wood doesn't sharpen an axe. Wood actually is what causes it to be dull. But it doesn't cause it to be dull um, to harm it. 
It's, it, an axe becomes dull when it's used for its purpose. You can chop wood and chop wood, and after uh, many, many times of chopping with that axe, you're going to need to sharpen it again because it's been used, and it's been purposed correctly, and it's been done right, and it's not in a bad way, but through time, it dulls and it needs to be sharpened, and it needs iron uh, to be able to sharpen it. I have a lot of dull knives in my kitchen. Uh, I love to cook, and we have tons of knives probably from 20 years ago at our wedding. Actually, we were married 18 years ago. I remember. I remember. Uh, <laughs> as wedding gifts, and we've just never gotten new knives since then. And when one would dull, just get another knife, right? And what I'm finding is uh, these knives aren't cutting meats. They're not cutting even vegetables, okay? And they need to be sharpened. They, they need to be um, sharpened in order to stay effective. And they're getting dull not because they're just sitting there doing nothing. If I never use a knife for 20 years and pull it out, it's still going to be sharp. It gets dull because it gets used. And this is the purpose of our church. I put that in big red letters in my notes with a big arrow pointing at it because it's important for us to come together, to encourage one another in the faith, to lift up one another, uh, to keep each other sharp, that Man, it, it, we could get dull if we've turned away from the Lord and, and we try to come back to him. Like he welcomes us back and we can get dull by not being used for a correct purpose, but we can get dull by doing things that Christians are supposed to do. And we could be living uh, right for the Lord and doing these things and being uh, used for God's purpose, but we're still needing to be sharpened. Verse 13 continues his desire to see them. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and I've been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and and to the foolish. When he says he's under obligation, he's meaning that he's in debt to them. He's like a, like a debtor. He owes them uh, the opportunity to come and share the gospel to preach to the Greeks, to the barbarians. What that means is the Greeks were very educated people. We're going to talk about that in just, he goes on from there. Um, they were very educated. It's where we get a lot of our philosophies from Socrates and all those types of guys. And barbarians were the opposite. They were islanders. Um, and maybe not so much the, they were foolish, but just ignorant of the Lord and, and um, his gospel. So, there's wise and there's foolish. What does he owe them? In the gospel, he owes them, sorry, he owes them the gospel. In uh, Acts 15, 20, 
Paul, actually Romans 15, 20, so I apologize. Paul's desire is to take the gospel to those who have never heard it. And it should be our goal too. There are people uh, who have heard and they've had the chance to believe and they've had seeds planted uh, in them. And sometimes we try to focus so much on them, like we have to convince them uh, to become followers of the Lord. We need to uh, preach to them some more. And they've had the, the honor, they've had the privilege of hearing the gospel and what Jesus uh, has done for them, his love for them. And Paul is saying, it's my desire to go to the people who have never heard uh, and never had a, uh, a, a clear, um, concise uh, uh, delivery of the gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done and, and God's love for them. Going to 16 and 17 is another powerful section. Actually, I didn't read 15 first. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. This is God's plan for salvation. Verse 16 is uh, famous. It's a famous verse of not being ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. This salvation is for everyone. Sometimes we could get confused. What's he mean? You know, first for the Jew and also for the Greek. And we would be part of the Greek, the Gentiles that aren't God's chosen ones. Why? Uh, Are uh, Jews or people from Israel, are they, um, you know, better than us? God loves them more. Yeah, he's their, they're his chosen ones. But it was God's desire, not that we would never hear and never have the ability to uh, have eternal life and have salvation, but he wanted it to go through the Jews. He wanted them, after all that's happened through the Old Testament, he was pointing them to the Messiah, and Jesus, the Messiah, shows up on earth, and it was God's goal and his plan that, that they would receive Christ as the Messiah, and they would be bringing him uh, to the rest of the world. But the Bible says they didn't receive him. Jesus wasn't received by his own. Even his family uh, didn't completely believe until later on. He wanted the Jews to accept Jesus as the Messiah and for salvation to go through them. But they didn't receive him and actually... Uh, quite the opposite happened. They crucified him. They were part of God's uh, plan, but not the good part. <laughs> there were Jews that, have, that did accept Jesus, and there's exceptions to that. And we see, you see stories in Acts of Jews coming to the Lord and 
coming to salvation, but the overall plan was for them to, to, for the salvation to come to the Jews first and that it would go out to everyone. So we're so thankful that it came and reached us, right? Verse 17, we read it. In, in the gospel, right, the righteousness of God is revealed. When we preach the gospel, when Paul is delivering the gospel, and um, gospel, I, I've used that word a lot today, it's the good news um, of Jesus Christ and how he died on the cross for our sins and rose again. Um, and so the God, when we use the term the gospel, um, it's the story of Jesus, the truth of what Jesus has done for each one of us. So Paul is saying that the righteousness of God is revealed. How is it revealed? First off, righteousness is, uh, means right living. God's righteousness versus our righteousness. God's righteousness, he's perfect. Uh, we are not. We are imperfect. God is always good, and we can't be good enough. I think on my slide I just wrote not good enough, meaning that our righteousness, we can try to live right and we can try to do good and we can, uh, we can try our very best. We can be the absolute best citizen and Christian, but it's, we're going to fall short at some point. We're not going to be, uh, we can't be 100% completely good our entire life, our righteousness the Bible talks about is like filthy rags. It's imperfect. It's impure. So what is revealed? What is revealed is our righteousness needs God's righteousness. And that happens through faith in him. His righteousness, God's righteousness, wipes away our unrighteousness. We have righteousness. It's a long word I keep repeating. We live right, we have right living because we have our faith in God. And our righteousness is through him that whatever our impurities, whatever our sin, whatever, and we're going to finish that out in chapter one, uh, it's gone and it's wiped away and we're purified because uh, when we put on God's righteousness through having faith in him. Uh, thus, verse seven, verse, uh, the end of verse 17, the righteous shall live by faith. We're righteous because of our faith in God, not because of anything that we can do. Now, verse 18, I don't know how your Bibles uh, break it up. Mine does a, a, a small break there and uh, has a heading of unbelief and its consequences. So now we're going to kind of go into, Paul's going to explain uh, what we kind of, you might have heard the term before, the Roman road um, of salvation. It's kind of uh, we, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, of, of how we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, um, but the gift of God, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So he begins the, what I would call the Roman road of, of all of the book of Romans uh, with this section about how um, unrighteousness uh, has affected our lives and how sin in our life 
the consequences of that, of not following God, of not um, turning to him. And anyway, I'll be quiet and start reading here. <laughs> Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Those two were the wrath of God first, uh, when he says the wrath of God is revealed, it's God's anger, his vengeance, his indignation against all ungodliness uh, is wickedness, is evil, unrighteousness is, uh, if righteousness is right living, unrighteousness is wrong living, uh, wrongfulness in our, in our character or actions is what one dictionary, Bible dictionary said. Of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, when we suppress it, it means we hold down the truth in unrighteousness. We're holding it down. We're not allowing the truth, and we're gonna dwell on this in a few verses for a little bit, that uh, we have the truth and we're holding it down suppressing the truth because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood uh, through what has been made so that they are without excuse it's a, uh, verse 20 is powerful, describing how we all have no excuse to say that we have absolutely no knowledge of God. We all have seen in his creation his invisible attributes. What are uh, some of God's invisible attributes? One that I uh, listed is his faithfulness. Uh, you see the sunrise and the sunset every day. The earth is spinning, the sun's uh, moving. There, he's put this uh, solar system in order and his faithfulness to see that, his faithfulness uh, in, in our farming of uh, when we plant a seed, it's gonna grow. How, do, how does it grow? Well, you guys know that better than I do, but there's different ways in our creation that we can see the faithfulness of God. There's other invisible attributes that we can see that should point us to a creator, his eternal power and his divine nature. What Paul is saying here is there's people in villages and uh places that have never somehow by 2023 they have grown up and not heard about God but there have it's being revealed to them in creation they they should be able to observe creation and say there has to be a higher power than me and than just being here on earth God reveals uh, to Muslims, there's been testimonies, God reveals Jesus to them in dreams. God's created our minds to be a powerful, our brains to be a powerful thing that we can see visions and dream dreams and God reveals himself through that, that even if they don't have a legitimate uh, gospel presentation to them, a missionary that uh, goes miles uh, to them to tell them about Jesus, 
they still are without excuse to, they should be uh, able to see the revelation of God through creation. We're all without excuse. Verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was uh, darkened. Futile in their speculations. Some of your, um, I'm not sure what the Bible that the church has um, reads. Some of it would uh, say foolish in their imaginations or uh, vain in their imaginations or speculations. They profess to be wise, but they've become fools. I think that's, that's one verse right there. If you ever want to memorize, I can't memorize scripture, it's too long. That's a verse. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Is kind of the point of the rest of Romans here. Today, our, our world leaders, we can look and see how uh, they have wisdom, but they don't have, uh, they're not putting it with their faith. They're leading people astray. They're being looked up to as uh, leaders and they should know everything, so let's trust them. Um, but they're leading people as fools. They're, they profess wisdom, but they're actually fools. They've, verse 23, exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures, reptiles. This verse and, and the complete thought in this section is most likely directed at the Greeks that Paul has uh, encountered. Earlier, uh, they were, not earlier, they are seen as the wise and the educated in the world at that time. Uh, people have uh, in Rome have looked to them in other countries as uh, the Greeks are the smart ones. There's uh, universities uh, back then and all that kind of stuff. And we see in Acts chapter 17, it's probably five to eight years before this letter that Paul is writing that we're reading today happens. Paul uh, stood in front of a council of Greek leaders and uh, he's in, uh, they call it Aeropagus. I think I, I probably butchered how he pronounced it. But while he's there, he's observed that they have so many idols of worship. They, they want to accept everything. And so they're, they're bringing and they're teaching about every type of worship, every golden image, every idol, every, everything that you could worship. And, and Paul begins to address them in Acts 17, 23. He tells them, for as I walked around and I, I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And he goes on to, to preach similar to what he's writing in, Ro in Romans here. 
He says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. They're worshiping objects that they created, that they made, and they're worshiping that. And, and Paul's saying you can't do that with the divine being. God cannot be made into an object or a thing of our worship. The wisdom of man is foolish, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. Sometimes we think we're so smart and in reality we are worshiping in futility to an unknown God just in our rebellion to God. Verse 24 uh, begins kind of the consequences of this exchanging. In verse 23, he talks about the exchanging of the glory of the incorruptible God for images of worship. Verse 24, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them meaning as they interact with one another they're dishonoring their bodies there's consequences to our sins there's consequences to the the choices that we make and uh, verse 21 tells us of not honoring god or giving thanks there's consequences for that becoming vain or idolatrous and foolish there's consequences for that for exchanging the glory of, the, of incorruptible for images of worship or idols, there's consequences for that. And God gives them what they want. If they want to live that way and they want to uh, uh, have that lifestyle, then God's taking his hands off. Oh, all right, you can reap what you sow. The consequences of sin are seen throughout the Bible. All of us have sinned and in so doing we dishonor our, our bodies. Ephesians 2.3 is Paul also. And he says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Paul's saying, uh, this is all of us, all of uh, mankind. When we follow our lusts and our desires and we, we never uh, turn back to God, we never correct ourselves, if we choose to continue to go down this path of unrighteousness, we see the wrath of God in our life. Verse 25 uh, talks about the danger of exchanging God's truth for a lie. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. This is something that we should probably dwell on uh, for a little bit, not in this moment, but if you could uh, kind of think through this. How do we exchange the truth of God for a lie? 
What's the, what's the truth of God? What is truth? <laughs> we, could, we could start there. G, uh, Paul makes a clever play on words, saying that we worship or we serve the creature rather than the creator. What God, what God created is what's being worshipped, and it's not pointing us to him as the creator of it. It's deep. Paul refers back to verse 20 that God's creation points people who have never heard the gospel back to God. Creation glorifies God when we take time to observe it. But our flesh, it twists our minds so we don't see our creator, but instead we glorify his creation. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural uh, function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their er error. Verse 26 and 27 is, it's another reference to the consequences of sin. God has created us to have a relationship with him. He also created us male and female to be one, and he called that good. He gave us his creation, free will. And when we choose to follow the lies of the world, to turn away from him, he's going to let us go. We have the free will to, to choose how we're going to live. And these verses describe how unnatural our relationships have become. And I know this is kind of a controversial topic in our Christian world, whether homosexuality is a sin. And in our world today, there's so many different types of sexuality, more than just having relationships with uh, men with men and women with men, women. It goes way beyond that. It's, it's crazy how far we've come because we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. God, through Paul, is saying here that any type of sexual relationship outside of the natural way that we were created, male and female, is wrong. And we don't stop, he didn't stop there. Verse 28, he, he says, just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And he makes this long list. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. One, I think it's a King James says whispers. <laughs> that this word that uh, is translated here is uh, a secret whisperer. Is a gossip. Slanders, 
haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Wait, wait, no, it's not in there. Oh. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Just real quick, I know we're past our normal time. Some of these are obvious in, in what sins and what unrighteous living uh, is, but uh, strife is uh, quarreling. You like to be contentious and always have to be arguing about something. Deceit is being crafty or tricky, not just a liar, but a deceiver, right? Malice is bad character or mischievous. Slanderers are people who talk against another um, insolent is someone who's in an insulter or injurious injurious their their words cause injury inventing ways of doing evil there's things happening in our world today that man how did we invent that evil <laughs> right so in in wrapping up for the topic today and worship team you can come and we'll do a last song here he closes the chapter with verse 32 and saying although they know the ordinance of god that those who practice such things are worthy of death they not only do the same but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them saying man not not even is, is this whole road that we've been walking down and we've walked through today of what unrighteous living causes and it, it causes a, a broken relationship with God and when we continue to live in that broken relationship with God, not putting on his righteousness but uh, trying to live our own way and doing what we want to do, we fall into these sins, not just... Uh, the relationships and, and, and sexuality that's wrong, but all of these things we just read off. Our sin leads us down these paths and, and they, they, we, we may know they're going to end in death, but we still do them. And not only are we doing them, but then we're approving other people. Maybe it's not something I, I do, but I'm approving of someone else to practice those things. Would you stand with us? And I know there's a few different things that we can take from uh, Romans chapter one. And, but what, I, what our main takeaway needs to be today is that sin is a trap. And this whole uh, living for, for ourselves and, and going down this road, it all brings us to destruction how did it all start back in verse 17 for in it the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith god wanted his righteousness to be revealed because he knew that we could not live right enough on our own we need god we need his righteousness in our life so as we close in a song today, would you just uh, let the message today uh, just uh, 
permeate into your heart, resonate uh, for these next few moments. And if it's something that you've, uh, something in here that you're struggling with, breaking the chains of, of addiction and this road and, and you're following through it and, and it's hit you, man, I, I've exchanged God's truth for a lie and I, I want to come back to the Lord. I want to accept his righteousness. If you want to do that today, you can uh, meet me up at the front here. But as we uh, let's just spend a few moments in prayer uh, as the worship team sings today. I apologize, it was longer than normal. But I want to encourage you to encourage each other. Okay, going back to the beginning of Romans where they, uh, his goal in coming to them was to be able to sharpen one another. And we need each other uh, in this world to live right and to live for him. And we need to encourage one another. So uh, do that. Uh, Be intentional about it. Heavenly Father, I just pray a blessing over your people as we go today. Uh, Go with us. Help us just to continue to grow closer to you. And let the message of uh, Romans 1 just uh, resonate in, in us, man, that we would live for you, God that we would encourage one another, that we would share with others the truth and the hope and the love uh, that you've given us, God. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed week.